Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential. Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with my co-host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are managing directors of the Sibylla Masters Fund, and you can learn more about that at masters.vc. This show is for investors and entrepreneurs alike. We are going to rip that opaque lid off conventional venture capital and show you how it works or sometimes doesn't. And there you have it, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Hi, Jillian. Hi, Anne. What are we going to talk about today? Well, I'd like to dive into warrants this week because okay. <laughs> <laughs> warrants. remember warrants. We've been hearing a lot about warrants lately. And as we will get to later in the show, you and I um, at the Sibylla Masters Fund are using warrants a lot right now. And we'll explain why in a moment, but we're finding it's meeting with some resistance. And I'm not going to go into my usual, you know, stomp and rant here because, <laughs> oh, why not? It's VC oh, confidential. And we always it, rant about folks who are only looking at conventional stuff and not thinking about mutually beneficial arrangements and too afraid to take a look and or spend the time, maybe, to, you know, too weak will to spend the time to learn about these things. So go for it, because I just uh, did. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Puts one in mind of the blind men and the elephant, you know, but never mind. <laughs> um, beyond all of the various uh, stories we can pull up and whines and rants, let's be clear. Warrants are just one of the forms of venture debt. But yeah, that's true. But this form warrants some serious attention <laughs> because <laughs> it's such a useful investment. And so few people seem to understand what it does, how it's used, who uses it, when and why. Okay. So wait a minute. You know, that just happened, right? You just said that the warrant warrants our attention. And I'm just saying I didn't miss that. So don't bother saying no pun intended. Oh, I wouldn't dream of it. The <laughs> yeah. pun was fully uh, okay. intended. Okay. So let's get on with it. Um, warrants. Uh, I would agree. Super useful. And um, they're good for in instruments for investors. They're good for entrepreneurs. And they're good for folks who want to work well together. So let's think like journalists. Who, what, when, why, and how. All right. So you let's start. It. Yeah. Okay. I'll start with who. You just talked okay. about folks wanting to work together. Uh, let's talk about some of the uh, branded names that use this. Y Combinator, you know, the mm -hmm. accelerator, VCs, heavy duty Valley um, investors with billions uh, under management and many successful companies have come through their, um, their funding system. Uh, y Combinator brings their considerable weight to bear on this instrument. They have mm -hmm. a standard warrant template on their website, for heaven's sakes. So that should build some trust in the instrument for starters. 
Well, that's true. The SEC, by the way, also has one, sec.gov. Don't take my word for it. It's right there under warrants. <laughs> they actually provide a template for you as well. And um, in addition, Lighter Capital, among many other venture debt companies, will also offer their uh, you know, two cents worth on the why, where, what, how, and so on of warrants. So uh, lots of folks are using them, and lots of folks still don't know enough about them. So that's what we're doing here. Now, you bring up a good point, though, Anne. Trust is a huge issue in all financial arrangements. So the fact that Y Combinator uses these warrants, well, you know, that makes them an acceptable investment, you know, instrument and so on. What they're really saying is it certainly won't frighten off any future VC investors. And some VCs actually use warrants as part of a Series A. You know, if you're raising, say, 10 million, you can raise another 100,000 or so, maybe using warrants and so on. So there are ways to use them, whether they're redeemable warrants or non-redeemables. These are powerful names in the industry, many, many more, and they use warrants in different ways. And many different ways to capitalize a company, which is something we talk about all the time, the capitalization stack. So speaking of trust in the instrument itself, Flow Capital posted an article on their website describing warrants as, and I quote, a classic feature in venture debt deals. Classic, they say. Uh, mm -hmm. they, go, they go on to define the terms as follows. Warrants are a security that gives the holder the right but not the obligation to purchase company stock at a specified price within a specified period of time. That's right. All right. So now we're on to the what. Okay. What is a warrant? Now, Flow Capital and I would describe warrants as classic investment instruments. The Flow Capital uh, article expands on the details of that warrant. And again, I'm going to quote here, the guaranteed price at which the warrant holder has the right to buy the stock is often called the stock price or the exercise price. I it's think generally you meant the, a little more. I think you meant the strike price, because that's a term I've, I've, or do you mean the strike price? That's a term I've always heard. Did, it, did I around. not say strike price? Yeah. Strike yeah. is what I meant. Yes. <laughs> I might have said something else, but it is called a strike price, <laughs> sometimes called an exercise price, more uh, less frequently. But anyway, it's a price that is usually higher than what you could buy the stock for today if you really valued the company. And often it's done at the safe level or something. So the company has not yet been valued. So it's often connected to, say, a Series A, or um, it, it's somewhere between that and, of course, much less than one would pay for it way off in the future. So it has a time frame, and the time frame and the expiration date of a warrant can range anywhere from one to 15 years. So if you have the rights to buy the stock at, say, I don't know, 50 cents a share, and you only have a year to use it, then that stock has to rise above 50 cents a share for you to bother. If you have 15 years, well, that warrant is probably worth something more, right? Time is a cost factor to someone. In this case, it might be to the company rather than to the investor. You get 15 years to do that. Well, gosh, if you could pick up stock at the price it was sold for 15 years ago, and almost any company that is thriving today, not those that died, but those that thrive, right? That's a good deal. So that's what it's all about. Before we continue with the details around where, or in our case, under what circumstances warrants are used, I'd like to share something interesting that is part of the article we've been referencing at Flow Capital. 
And by the way, we'll put a link uh, to this article on our LinkedIn page, Outlines Venture Group, which you find just by going to LinkedIn and searching for Outlines Venture Group, and it'll bring it right up. Now, what I want to share from this article is a chart. Yeah, I don't know. We're audio only. But yeah, anyway, I was going to say, wait a minute, this is radio. Yeah. <laughs> I, could describe it, I could describe it and then um, people can go check it out. It's a pretty simple chart, but it's very illustrative. Um, and it's talking about the various levels of risk involved in early stage private equity investments. The author notes that, again, and I'm quoting here, as with any investment, investors are looking to gain a fair level of return that aligns with the level of risk they're taking. Of course, of course. Okay, so the chart shows five, breaks risk down into five levels. Um, here we go, from the lowest to the highest, we begin with banks. If you're an entrepreneur and can borrow from a bank these days, you can get rates as low as three to 6%. SBA loans are ones that come immediately to mind, which are great for small business that are not necessarily going to become scalable corporations. The next level of risk described as mid-low are the venture lending arms of banks. Silicon Valley Bank is a good example of such a bank with a venture lending arm. The loans from these venture lending arms are generally a good match for companies that have already raised a Series A, have a good million dollars or more in their coffers, and are banking with whatever bank is offering this loan or line of credit. The bank generally knows and trusts, there's that word again, the VCs that are backing the company, and they are banking, yeah, that's another pun, <laughs> intentionally, <laughs> again, again, right. on the fact that the VC will guide the company, continue to capitalize it as it grows in addition to the loan or the line of credit the bank is offering, and that between both entities, the company will thrive. These loans or lines of credit cost about 8 to 15% per annum, compounded, of course. So you make a good point there, Anne, and I don't want our investor or entrepreneurs list or you know listening in today to miss this. SBA loans, okay, those types of loans are super inexpensive, three to six percent. These loans are personally guaranteed, mind you, just like a mortgage or a car loan. And then the next up level guaranteed by the company, not the individual. And immediately that risk rises dramatically to eight to 15%. It should be noted that the risk factors are quite different. So next up on this ranked list of risk in the early stage private equity investing is venture debt lenders, and that's where warrants fall. So now you have some perspective here, right? The risks involved bring this type of debt instrument to 15 to 25% per annum compounded. So mid-level or mid-high level of investment risk in, in this area, right? The next one up is a merchant cash advance lender. In the industrial sector, this is often known as factoring. A merchant makes a sale, requires capital to pay bills, to build or order whatever and deliver those goods. There's a lag between the time the, the placement of the order and the payment this merchant's gonna receive. So the merchant needs a short-term bridge loan to pay the bills in order to get the product to the buyer and then wait for that buyer to pay them. Bill. Once paid, presumably the merchant has a tidy profit from the sale, which is enough to pay for the merchant cash advance loan and still have some more profit left over to continue business. But it's easy to imagine 
all the things that can go awry in such a scenario, and they do quite often. A factoring is not a small part of um, business lending. It's quite a large sector, right? So the risk factors continue to rise. Investors will want an even higher rate of return to balance things out. They're going to lose some of these, right? The merchant cash advance lenders generally charge about 20 to 25% these days. And finally, we get to the riskiest asset class in this group, just before we go to our break, uh, venture capital. VCs are going to want at least 25% ROI on their investments. Their investment model is to seek out unicorns, companies so rare that there have been fewer than 1,000 since conventional venture capital began in 1946, folks. That's 75 years ago. Conventional VCs invest in about 20 companies and expect that one of them will have a substantial exit in the hundreds of millions of dollars and return sufficient capital to, to their fund to cover all their other losses. Of course, the cost of the existence, of course, the existence of conventional venture capital 80% of VC-backed companies have died within five years. That's so a lot a, of losses. Yep, yes. yes. So it's important <laughs> that to, 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 uh, to note that one less than one out of about 20 companies brings in a huge win for a fund. So with that, we need to take a break for our sponsors. When we come back, we will get into uh, the who and the why of warrants and why they're important for capitalizing your uh, company. Here is, and for investors to invest in capitalizing companies too. Um, so this is VC Confidential and we'll be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training a weekly podcast for you or your company, distribution to almost every podcast portal, an embeddable player for your website, an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on wmr.fm. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Musing talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Before the break, we discussed warrants, what they are and who uses them and, and why. Who uses them is important because it demonstrates whether an investment instrument is an acceptable investment form, not only for the company and the investor now and today, but whether it's acceptable to future investors, the VCs who will take a company to a much larger and later stage of success. Yeah. 
I, I'm definitely true. So the who, lots of VC investors, including the world's finest investors and accelerator investors, use warrants. The what, we've covered what a warrant is, an option to buy stock at a set strike price for a limited period of time. And now we should discuss a little bit of the why an investor or entrepreneur would want to use a warrant rather than conventional venture capital. So, Jillian, explain how a investing with a warrant can provide earlier, steadier returns, because that's something we talk about all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's my song, definitely. Um, so a kind of a, a why one would want to use it and a little bit of how it works, uh, again, comes to mind. So here we go. As I've noticed, uh, noted before, conventional venture capital investments require a company to exit in order to see returns. Okay. Conventional VC funds are set up to last about 10 years, and they are very often extended to 14 and 15 years. That's a very long hold time for individual investors and even for some family offices. If you're an asset allocator or an individual investor looking for shorter hold times, that means the amount of time you have to hold on to your investment before you see a return, right? So especially in your private equity investments, then a warrant is you know, a good option. Um, at the master's fund, we use warrants to provide just what you talked about at earlier, steadier returns to our LPs. So Anne and I are more uh, a bit of experts on this instrument and uh, about this point, folks. You know, warrants are flexible and they have several levers that can decrease the risk for all parties. I'm going to explain how that works because this really gets into the meat of what warrants are, why you want to use them and how you use them. All right. Earlier on, we said that a warrant is an instrument that provides an investor the rights to purchase stock at a set price for a specified period of time. Okay, That would indicate that the money flows from the investor to the portfolio company at the outset of the agreement, and the stock moves from the investor, excuse me, to the investor when the investor decides it's time to exercise the warrant. So first the money goes in, and when the, uh, in the um, investor decides to exercise, that's when they get their stock. A warrant can be written so that an investor puts in, say, 50,000 bucks into a company and agrees to spend another 50,000 or even 100,000 to exercise the warrant. In other words, more money would flow into the company when the warrant is exercised. This is actually a fairly rare scenario, but it's possible. Most warrants are exercised shortly before the company sells or holds an IPO, and they're exercised for like a buck for the whole thing. Our warrants are written that way. Okay, the exercise price is generally a penny or less per share. Okay, in the case of the master's fund, the cost to exercise the entire warrant, as I just said, is a buck. The cost of the stock we receive, should we exercise that warrant, will fluctuate depending on the investment terms set in other capital raises. So that's future capital raises. Sometimes the price per share is set at a discounted rate to the first price round, right? It'll be a 20% discount to the series A, that kind of thing. You've probably heard that if you're either an investor investor or an entrepreneur already. Okay. Now, sometimes it's set to be equal to the most favorable price set for any investor. 
In other words, it could be the first investment price. But again, it's important to note there are options and it can serve both parties well. All right. So what we love about warrants at the master's fund is that it provides us the ability to invest, take a spot on the cap table rather than saddling a portfolio company with debt on their books. But our warrant is redeemable by the portfolio company. And again, another lever that you can add to a warrant, not just a warrant that gives us the right to buy the stock, but a warrant that can be redeemed. In other words, purchased back by the company. That means the company not only can redeem the warrant, but in our case, both parties expect the portfolio company will redeem the warrant and in a reasonable period of time. In this way, we set the expectation that a company will achieve certain gross revenue goals and when they do, they will redeem that market. Right? We invest in companies that have a product in the market. They have the first revenue in hand. Sometimes that revenue is revenue from a pilot sale. Right? We come in very early and we help the company to expand their sales to reach substantially higher revenues per month. And again, when they get to that goal, that's when they begin to redeem the warrant, not before. So we don't saddle them with a bill they can't afford. And they take a small percentage of that gross revenue in order to redeem that warrant. And um, illustrations help. Sure, yes. I think illustrations are always a good idea, even on radio. Um, so I'll provide one to make the process clear. Let's say a company is earning about 15000 per month today. Uh, the company requires capital to expand marketing and sales, and perhaps it will use that capital to complete an additional module on their software that will translate into increased sales because buyers are waiting to spend more with the company as soon as such a model, module is available. Whatever the particulars, the company is using the invested capital to grow sales. We buy a warrant, which gives us rights to own a number of shares of stock at the same cost per share as the earliest investors. But we don't actually want to exercise that warrant. We and the founders want to have the portfolio company buy back that warrant. So we set a benchmark gross sales number per month, say $100,000 income per month, at which time the company will begin to redeem the warrant and they will buy it back from the fund by making monthly installment payments using a minimum of perhaps 6% of gross sales until the warrant is redeemed, i.e. bought back in full. Well described, thanks. So we invest capital, the company issues us a warrant, we work with the company to build the sales to a mutually agreed upon gross revenue goal. And when the gross revenue goal is achieved, the company begins to make monthly payments using a small percentage of that gross revenue to buy back the warrant until it is repurchased in full. Now, what's really important here is that this type of funding does not force the company to sell or hold an IPO in order for the fund to see an ROI. The company buys back the warrant, and then that company can continue to operate without being forced to exit in any way. In general, the warrant is redeemed by the portfolio company in about two to five years. 
That's substantially sooner than hanging on to shares of a private company stock uh, for, say, 10 to 14 years, because we're early stage investors. It takes a while to get to the end. So I say again, if you're an early stage investor and you want to cycle your investments more quickly, in other words, see your ROI, reinvest, do it again and again, right? Check out warrants as an investment uh, instrument. And on the other side of the table, if you're an entrepreneur who does not necessarily want to sell or ever hold an IPO or not do either of those two things maybe yet, consider taking investment capital by selling a warrant and buying it back from a percentage of your gross revenues once the company can afford to do so. Venture capital investing is essentially a results-based investment. You, the investor, put capital into a company on the assumption that the company will sell or go public in the future. That's what we call an exit in the business. And each share of stock you purchased with your investments will be worth much more when that exit happens. That's right, Anne. Rather than investing in conventional venture capital, which requires investors to hold that investment for now an average of 11 to 14 years, you, the investor, can invest a portion of your private equity portfolio in warrants, which is a hybrid venture equity debt instrument that reduces the investment hold times by one half or more, right? You're still betting that the company will become more profitable over time and you will make your profit by selling your stock at a higher price than you purchased it. But you and the portfolio company leaders can negotiate that ROI and project the timeline for returns much more precisely. So at the master's fund, we use a 3x multiple. We invest for one, the company buys it back for three, whatever those numbers might be, right? In other words, Let's say we invest 100,000 or a million bucks in a company and the company buys back that warrant then for 300,000 or 3 million bucks respectively. Right. Depending on the business model, the gross margins, the speed of growth, the size and stage of the company, you as an investor can determine the optimal amount to invest in a warrant, and the company leaders can do the same. They can take on an appropriate sum of capital using a warrant, and then they can take on additional growth capital if they need it using other methods, including convertible notes, safes, a price round, or even conventional debt from banks. As for when to use a warrant, as we noted earlier in this podcast, the master's fund invests once a product is in the market and the first revenue has been received. But you can leverage a warrant with redeemable preferred stock to raise capital at an earlier stage if you have a willing investor. You maybe may pay higher multiples for the additional hold time and the risk that investing in a pre-revenue company entails, but it, it can be done. So we need to go to another break, and then we're going to come back to the why. There are ways you can source <laughs> capital for your company's this growth is on Ann VC Kennedy and Jillian Music. You're listening to up. VC Confidential, and we'll be right back. Are you right looking back. for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential only on WMR.FM. 
Welcome back to VC Confidential. We are so glad you joined us today. Uh, we're talking about warrants. Before the break, we discussed who, what, when, and how of warrants. Now, let's talk about the why. Okay. Well, we've covered a little bit of it, right? If you are a, um, a company that doesn't want to sell, it's a good idea to take a look at warrants, right? You can buy back the warrant. In other words, pay back that money to the investor with a reasonable ROI. And that means that your investor is off your cap table and you can go on with your business. If you're an investor, you want to take a look at warrants. If you want to invest with shorter hold times and earlier, steadier returns. It's a great thing to go invest in conventional VC money, uh, funds and so on. But, you know, the Kaufman Foundation reports 51% will return nothing to investors. It's really risky. And yet we only focus, of course, on the successful outcomes. But less than 4% of all VC-backed companies have that happy exit, and less than 1,000 will ever be unicorns. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of risk, folks. Mitigating risk, look to warrants. Continuing to operate your company, look to warrants. Okay, okay. but here's my question. But why, Jillian, why <laughs> take on venture growth capital and pay it back uh, it, in, a, in a warrant when you can take on venture capital in the conventional way and maybe never pay it back? <laughs> you just set me up for that, Anne. You did. I sure did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Right. Of course, you, the entrepreneur, are going to pay back that conventional venture capital. It's not a free money. It, it, you know, you're going to pay it back when the company sells or holds the IPO. And if you're fortunate to do well in that, right, the VCs are going to see at least 10 times the return, not three, or possibly as much as hundreds of times of their return on investment, right? Now, yeah, you don't have to pay it back, if you will, until the company can afford to do so. In other words, the company's sold, and now there's a big pot of money and everybody divvies it up. Great. And if you sell at much lower prices, well, then you deal with investment terms that often include such things as preferred stock terms. That means that venture capitalists will get their money out before you get a dime. Let's say you take on 5 million bucks in funding. Things don't go as planned. You end up selling your company for, I don't know, 15 million bucks. That's a decent amount of money. But the terms of the preferred stock investment are 2x returns to the preferred stockholders. Oops. Now your VCs will get 10 million out because they put in five before you ever see anything. That leaves you another five for yourselves as founders and whatever you've given out to compensate employees and outside labor consultants and on and on, right? You're likely to come away with rather little compared to what you could have come away with if you'd owned pretty much the whole thing at the time of exit. It's not unusual, uh, an unusual scenario for companies to exit and for the founders to see nothing at all for their efforts. All the returns go to preferred stockholders who have 1x or 2x or even 3x multiple preferences and therefore requirements in their agreements. Look at those agreements when you make your you know, deal with conventional venture capital. It is not free money, and it's often a great deal more than you would pay in any other capital raise. Yeah, as we have to uh, close this episode, um, I think it's a good time just to point out one thing we say many, many times when we're talking to uh, uh, prospective uh, 
uh, portfolio companies that on average, founders come away with 8% of their company. Yes. On we a good, like uh, on a good day. Number. Right. <laughs> on a good day. Yeah. And we use warrants for that reason, because it's mutually beneficial. We enable founders to put a little more stock back in their pockets, that early stock that costs them the most, if you will, right? Because you hand out the most amount of stock for the least amount of money at the earliest stages because the valuation is the lowest. We help founders put a little stock back in their pocket at a reasonable cost of capital. At a time when their stock is likely worth a great deal more than they're paying to buy it back. So yes, with that, it's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us every other Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of this most shrouded corner of business finance known as venture capital. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who graciously hosted our previous CEO coach show for more than a decade and now host our new VC Confidential show. Today is the 49th episode. We are grateful for their long and continued support of our work. You can listen to all our episodes from both shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. Till next time. Till next time. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.